This podcast provides general information about the law, not specific legal advice. The licensed attorney speaking on this podcast cannot take the place of a competent private attorney who can provide proper legal advice only after hearing the specific facts of your case. You're listening to Law and Caution, Protection Through Legal Education, brought to you by Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada. Hello, my name is Josh Lozano. I'm a law student at the William S. Boyd School of Law, and I'm here today with three attorneys from the Consumer Rights Project at the Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada. First, I'd like to introduce a recurring guest, almost a resident, Peter Aldos. He is a bankruptcy facilitator, assisting people who are representing themselves in bankruptcy court and in many other consumer rights matters. How are you doing, Pete? Doing great. It's good to be back, Josh. Another returning guest, Taylor Altman, originally from New York. A staff attorney, part of the Consumer Rights Project, where she represents low-income and vulnerable individuals on consumer protection issues. How are you doing, Taylor? Doing great, Josh. Glad to be back. Oh, wonderful. And then for the first time ever, introducing brand new, we have Anthony and Julie Baez, a former community justice fellow and a recent passer of the bar. Absolutely. New attorney and extra excited to be here on my um, first attendance in one of your podcasts. Wonderful. Uh, today, we have a very uh, interesting episode. It's not only the first time that we have Anthony, but it's also the first time we're doing uh, four mics. Could get a little hectic. We're going to do our best. Today, we're discussing solar panels, which is kind of a new issue. Uh, we're going to be discussing some of the new legislation that's going to be passing, uh, what kind of issues we're currently seeing, and then your rights and things to just kind of beware and look out for. So we can just kind of get into it. So if one of you three just want to start, what's some common issues or things that you normally see with solar panels? Well, I'll I'll start by just kind of summarizing that there are different kinds of contracts that you can enter into with a solar panel. People think, well, somebody comes to my door. They say, do you want solar panels? I say yes. And so I get solar panels. But it's possible that they are not selling you the solar panels. They are selling you the power. There are Mm -hmm. things called power purchase agreements where you are agreeing to buy all the power generated by these solar panels on your roof from this company, even though you don't own the panels. And so it's not always obvious when somebody is selling you a solar panel system, are they selling you the panels themselves and you'll just make payments over time? Or are you just buying the power through this power purchase agreement? Mm -hmm. So for the audience, you want to be very careful because you might think that you're purchasing the solar panels, but really you're just purchasing the power they produce. So Pete, uh, how, do, how does that kind of work? How does someone get to a position where they misunderstand? Well, it, it gets down to the challenges that we see when people are approached by solar panel salesmen. A lot of these are door-to-door sales. And unfortunately, these salesmen target people with a limited understanding of English or they only speak Spanish. They target seniors and all they do is hype up the benefits. We're going to lower your power bill. It could go down to as little as $17 a month. And we are going to generate all of this power. You're not going to have to put any money down. All they're focusing is the benefits and they're not focusing on the details. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to add on to that. I think this will be a common theme for today. And that's that all of the different types of contracts that we discuss, whether it's a power purchase agreement or the others that I believe Pete or Ms. Altman uh, will go ahead and sort of describe here shortly are such that the consumer very frequently has no idea what they're signing. 
um, they're signing something typically on an electronic device like a you know a tablet for instance the individual the door-to-door -door salesman in most cases is guiding them along and saying sign here sign here sign here sign here um, and they're completely sort of um, absolving themselves of the information that's available to them that they've scrolled past um, and that's something that we i think we will stress and reiterate throughout this podcast is that you need to know what it is you're signing uh, it is your obligation to read what is before you and don't sign without knowing those things mm -hmm. so uh, to tag along with what anthony said i'd just like to add that um customers really don't understand what they're signing because they don't see the agreement mm -hmm. and especially if they're spanish speaking or speak a language other than english they're the language of the contract would have to be translated into that language. If they're, um, you know, a Spanish speaker and the doc, uh, the documents are in English, under the law, the contract must be in Spanish if the negotiations with the salesperson were done in Spanish. So a customer, before they sign something, should really ask the salesperson, I want to know what I'm signing. Can I have a copy of it? And especially, can I have a copy of it in Spanish? Mm -hmm. And so just to add on to what both Pete and Anthony were saying about these door-to-door -door sales, the door-to-door -door sales salespeople will often use really high-pressure sales tactics. They'll make it seem like this deal is good, you know, solar panels on sale today only, essentially. <laughs> and they don't really give the person a chance to decide. And what we've seen with certain clients is they're afraid to say no, or they think this is a good deal and it won't be there tomorrow. It will be there tomorrow. Um, it's always a good idea. If you don't know what you're signing, you don't have a copy of it, you need some time to think, that you tell the door-to-door -door salesperson exactly that. I need some time to do my homework on this and to read exactly what I'll be getting into. Yeah. If a door-to-door -door salesman comes knocking and they say that this deal goes away when the sun sets uh, and it's not coming back, uh, anything like that, just be worried. Yeah. You, you really should be shopping around. That, that's one of the saddest things I see is that somebody will have a solar panel salesman come and sell them $40,000 solar panel system and they could have gotten it for $25,000 if they had just talked to more than one salesman. Another thing to add on to that as well, most people, uh, it's certainly not our clients are going to be able just to pay forty dollars or $50,000 for this sol solar panel system out of pocket. You know, I know few people that really can, so they're going to have to finance it in some way. And what the door-to-door -door salesperson often says to the customer is, don't worry about it, we'll take care of the financing. And then they mm -hmm. go and get them financed from some third party. They've never seen that contract. It could be with a credit union or a finance company based in another state. And you know, they've never actually seen the, the agreement they're signing with the finance company. So now they have two agreements, the installation contract with the door-to-door -door salesperson's company, and then they have a separate financing agreement, neither of which contract they've actually seen. So now we kind of have a double dilemma where you don't know what's really being installed on your roof and you don't really know what you're paying for because you don't have a copy of either contract. So it's really important, even if you're able to see a copy of the installation contract with the installer, Make sure to get a copy of the financing contract too, so you know the terms. You know, um, you know what the cost of credit is, how much you're going to be paying for how long. Some of these solar panel contracts are for 20, 25 years, so it's a mm -hmm. really a big financial commitment for a family. I think it's really important to clarify what Taylor was actually just describing because it circles back to Pete's initial mm -hmm. point, and it's it, this is something we really need to deliver to the listener. Is that so? Aside from the power purchase agreement where you're in direct what we call privity or you're in contract with the solar panel company, you're buying the energy from them, you're still paying a separate Nevada energy bill typically here in, you know, in the state of Nevada, um, though you hope that that bill has gone down drastically because of the solar input. 
The other type of contract that Taylor is describing is the one that we see more commonly, though both very frequently, you know, come before us and we see them regularly in the community, is the actual purchase of the solar panel system. Uh, and these ones do get a little bit more complicated because of the secondary existence of the financer, where there's a second contract that arises from the first contract that the consumer typically has no idea even exists. Uh, and I think that's a really important place for us to go. I think it is. And it's because when there, something goes wrong, usually you would go to the company that you're paying the bill to and say something's gone wrong. I don't want to pay for something I'm not getting the benefit of. But what you mm -hmm. find is when you go to the finance company that you're paying the bill to, they say, we, we have nothing to do with the solar panels. We can't help you fix them. You have to pay us regardless of whether they're working or not. And then when you go back to the company that actually installed the solar panels, they may not even be in business anymore. They uh, may be very difficult to get in contact with, very difficult to, to get them to fix the problems. And in the meantime, you are just making your payments month after month for a system that isn't working. What our attorneys eloquently said is, imagine if you went and you paid for someone to do the work, uh, something simple, and you didn't like the work. Well, unfortunately, they're not in business and you find out the whole time you've been paying maybe someone else. And then now you have to deal with that person who has no idea how to install or uninstall what, what's going on. They're just there to deal with the finances. So sometimes you're going into these contracts now dealing with two people. So that's something to be very uh, wary about. And that ties into the, the first suggestion we have, which is if you have problems with your solar panels, you need to have someone to complain to. And frequently the best person to complain to is either the Nevada Contractors Board or the Nevada Public Utility Commission. They can help you work with the contractor that installed the panels to get the problems fixed. That's where you can find that accountability that unfortunately is so lacking in this business. We know anecdotally, and I can't say this for every solar panel system, but if something goes wrong with the panels and it's not just an electrical problem that an electrician can come and fix, and it's a problem actually with the panel, someone has to get up on the roof and repair those panels, that may not be possible you know, with, with a local solar panel company we know, as I said, anecdotally, some of those companies may not want to touch a system that was installed by somebody else. And now if you have ABC installer, they've gone out of business or they're unreachable. And now you're contacting local companies to see if they can come and repair the system. It might be difficult. So that's just something in mind before you commit to buying a solar panel system that maybe getting the repairs that you need if something goes wrong could be difficult in your local area. Mm, lots to think about. Was there any more that you three wanted to touch on on contracting or financing? I think you need to be very wary when the salesman comes and tells you this is how much your bill is going to be. This is how much it's going to cost. Frequently, those are at best estimates and at worst, just outright fraud. And expect that you are still going to have a power bill, even with solar panels. The solar panels aren't generating power at night. They're not necessarily generating enough to cover all of your power bills in the summer. And so you, you need to be really cautious about how much are you really saving and is this really going to be a good deal for you? Because a lot of the sales pitch also ties into the idea of a tax break. You can take a, mm. a, a discount on your taxes or, or you, you can you get a credit, a tax credit for buying solar panels, but you actually have to have owed that much in tax to, to get the benefit of the tax credit. If you don't actually pay thousands of dollars a year in tax, you can't get the savings that go along with the solar panel. Yeah. And uh, Anthony, is there anything you wanted to add with that? 
No, I, I think that's a huge point because that is one of the most common, you know, um, representations that the door to door salesman will typically make to the sort of, I don't want to use the word impoverished, but you know, the poorer person, the person who doesn't have means beyond sort of a fixed income. They're going to say, you're going to get this substantial tax break, but they do describe it largely as sort of a reimbursement or a refund. Mm -hmm. But this money is not refundable. As Pete stated, if you don't owe this large amount of money, you're not going to get the benefit of that tax credit. That's huge. Um, but something else I wanted to add on that I thought was a really important point was the, man the, the representations surrounding sort of what you're, what bills to expect, number one, and also, well, bills to expect in terms of Nevada energy, your energy costs, and also the bills to expect with financing. So there's, there's two separate topics here. As to the um, topic of the energy bills, they very frequently will say, your bills will go down 13 to $15. And we can all say anecdotally, we have actually seen the bills go down that low. Mm. But to expect that that's the case for the entire year is completely sort of... Um, unrealistic. Uh, and that speaks to Pete's point. It has a lot to do with the change in seasons, the way that the light hits the home, um, the changes in sort of the, the weather systems. Um, but I would say sort of generalizing, looking at, um, you know, bills over time, very frequently you actually see the most substantial benefit during the summer months where the sun exposure is the most, you have the most daylight savings or the most daylight present. Mm -hmm. uh, in the winter, you start to see the bills, the Nevada energy bills start to climb up. And that's largely because you have less daylight, right? So when they are functioning, that's what to expect. But don't expect that the bill will, you know, sustain at that $13 to $15 amount, you know, sort of perennially. Um, the other point I wanted to make was they really enjoy this representation of your bills with the finance company are going to stay between $100 to $200. This is where your bill will stay. Very frequently, they're not actually describing what the financing contract looks like, largely because the financing contract sort of comes secondarily to this conversation. But oftentimes, that bill goes up after mm -hmm. the first few years, and it will take them out of, the, of their income amount, like the amount that would actually sort of make or break the consumer who's falling victim to this scheme, that individual doesn't realize that after three years, let's say, they're now going to be paying amount that they actually can't afford. And I think that's a great point that whatever the salesman tells you, there is no guarantee that you're going to save money by getting solar panels. You might save money, you might lose money versus just buying power from the grid. So you need to be really careful about understanding what it is you're purchasing. And that also gets back to the idea of shopping around. If you just have one person come to your door and tell you a story about what's going to happen to your power bill, you can't really trust that. But if you have multiple people come, you're going to have at least a few honest people that are going to be telling you, well, it's going to cost you this much. And this is the savings you can expect. And you may say, well, that doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I know you talked about this off the podcast, but isn't it you can't necessarily predict what energy prices would look like in the future. For example, if you were going to do an energy buyback uh, and someone told you, well, this is what you would expect uh, going forward if you look at these charts and graphs and yada, yada, yada. Absolutely. And they don't, they don't even necessarily give you charts and graphs. They just say, <laughs> expect that your power bill is always going to go up. And, and again, this gets to those power purchase agreements where you were agreeing to purchase power, but you're also agreeing over the course of this usually 20 to 25 year agreement to purchase power at a rate that is always increasing. 
And mm-hmm. there is no guarantee that the power bill is going to increase over that long time period. It, it may not. And it certainly may not at the rate that it's agree- it is increasing in that agreement. So yes, it's possible, that, again, that you will save money with a power purchase agreement. It's possible that you would not save any money at all. With that, unless there's anything you three wanted to add, I think we, what we're going to do is take a quick break. Then we're going to do our truth game show. And then we'll talk about certain things uh, to think about. Like, for example, if you were going to sell your house and it did have solar panels, what kind of impact would that have? And then the type of burden that it puts on you and whoever has to sell it. So thank you. Are you grappling with complex legal matters and feel overwhelmed? There's hope. At Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada, we are seasoned professionals proficient in diverse fields such as housing, transportation, child custody, domestic abuse, and more. We are an entirely free, comprehensive resource for low-income residents of Southern Nevada seeking legal assistance. Our mission is to increase informed access to the legal system, regardless of income, assets, or citizenship. Visit us at 725 East Charleston Boulevard, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or explore our services and check your eligibility anytime online at lacsn.org. All right, and uh, welcome back. So we're going to do our The Truth Game Show covering new changes uh, to the solar panel landscape that's going to be taking into effect in January. I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I feel comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. No, the defense is wrong. All right, for anyone in the field, so uh, Section 10 says that the sale must be done by someone who's either a license, a licensee, or an employee of the solar panel company. Why is that significant to these consumers? And Pete? It's all about accountability. And when you have independent contractors who are not licensed going out and trying to sell uh, solar panels, they have no accountability. But now if you have to be an employee of the company, then that company has total responsibility for any misrepresentations you may have made in the process of selling those solar panels. All right, second question. So solar panel companies going forward need to display contracts in large 16-point font. What What are some of these other requirements? Oh, now Pete. All right. So they have to maintain a a record of a a voice call with the customer where they explain all of the important details uh, so that within that three day right of rescission, that customer has the information they need to decide whether they really want to go forward with the contract or not. Mm -hmm. And then also, too, uh, are there any language requirements made? Um, So that has already been in existence, though I think the law that takes effect in January 1st reiterates what already exists in the law. But essentially, if the contractual sort of um, discussion, everything before the contract, the sale pitch, um, the discussion of the details, if that occurs in a language that is not English, they have the statutory obligation. This is the person at the door. Um, They have the statutory obligation to provide the contract in the language in which the sale has occurred. It's not just that the consumer must request such, they have a statutory obligation affirmatively to give that to them. And then I guess uh, 
the last one would be so you could have always been able to resend uh, within three days. Now our solar panel companies are more obligated to display this. Yes, that is true, Josh. They have to display this on the contract, and um, the customer can cancel three business days after the agreement. Um, and they have to notify in writing the solar panel company, uh, the finance company, um, anyone who might be affected by this agreement. We would recommend if you're going to cancel, you want to make sure to do that in writing to all the parties involved. All right, perfect. So then uh, what we can talk about now is selling your home. So if you have solar panels or you're thinking about selling solar panels, because we've had a couple clients come in and they've dealt with the solar panel issues or they're still dealing with it. And then now they've brought up, hey, you know, I'm, I'm also thinking about selling my house. What are some of the issues that you three have seen that consumers might not think about in the moment? I think this really gets down to this deception on the part of the salesman where the salesman's not going to explain that this solar panel system not only is something you have to pay for, but it's something you have to deal with when you sell your home. Either the new purchaser has to enter into a new contract with the company, whether it's a power purchase agreement, at least a purchase where they are now making the payments, which means also they have to meet the credit requirements of that company, or they have to pay off the entire balance of that loan as part of the proceeds of the sale, which means you may be taking a big loss uh, and, and in effect paying for the entire solar system, even if you had only had it for a year or so when you sell your home. What happens if you try and sell the home with solar panels, but they're not paid off? So what happens is there's a cloud on the title. And so you have difficulty with the, the purchaser can't get title insurance to, to get a loan to buy your house because they're saying that there is this issue uh, that potentially could, could cause problems down the road. So we're not going to even let you sell your home until this issue is resolved. And again, that's resolved either by paying off the entire amount or by having the purchaser enter into this agreement. We kind of talked about it in the game show, but uh, people who are listening to this might be tuning in because they don't want the solar panels anymore. What are some options and uh, realistic expectations when it comes to that? There's um, the three-day right of rescission, you know, has to be in the contract. And um, it's also by Nevada statute that a person who buys solar panels, who changes their mind for any reason, has until no later than midnight on the third business day after the agreement was entered or signed to send that notice of cancellation. Realistically, what we see is people who, um, they don't know about that right, they didn't get the contract to begin with, so they didn't read about it in the contract, um, or they've missed that three-day cancellation window. So in that case, unfortunately, it's harder to get out of the contract um, what an attorney would probably have to allege on behalf of the customer is that there was fraud in the inducement, basically meaning the solar uh, salesperson led them astray, misled them, lied to them in some way, some material way, and that this means that they can get out of the installation contract and any financing contract. You know, there are no guarantees. It's just that once that three-day window is passed, um, it just makes it more difficult under existing law to get out of it. And then was there anything else that you three wanted to mention? Yeah, Anthony? I think super important to Taylor's point going beyond the sort of the 72 hour or the three business day window. Um, so let's say you haven't exercised your your right and let's say you knew about it. You, you received your appropriate disclosures 
um, it's a year, two years later, something goes wrong with the system and you're throwing your hands up in the air and saying, I can't afford this anymore. What can I do to get rid of these solar panels? And realistically, that is an extremely, extremely difficult question to answer um, because there are a number of uh, factors involved. Um, who's going to take them? How much money do you owe on them? You're not just going to be able to stop paying. Well, you can stop paying on the contract, but that opens up a whole other, you know, sort of avenue of legal issues. Um, but nonetheless, who's going to come take them? What damage is that going to do to your home? After that 72 hour three business day window, you're in a situation where you're essentially locked into that contract, provided there was not fraud in the inducement or provided there weren't extensive violations of statutes related to solar panel sales. Uh, and this this could be your um, issue for 20 to 25 years very frequently on um, the financing agreements related to these purchases. Mm. Is, there, is there anything else? There are a few things I wanted to go over. I just wanted mm -hmm. to clarify um, the three-day rescission right. So essentially what somebody has to do, I know, I know this probably sounds a little vague when we were talking about it, but they need to notify the solar company of their express intent to rescind or cancel the transaction that they agreed upon. And remember, this has to be done no later than midnight of the third business day after the agreement was entered or signed. And something to remember is the notification can be done electronically or physical mail. Uh, the address must be to the address of the solar panel company. And um, so the key takeaway, it can't just be um, verbal. It really needs the notification needs to be in writing either by physical mail or electronic mail. So that's one thing. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to mention. Um, oftentimes, or I would say in most cases, there's going to be a manufacturer's warranty that comes with a, a solar panel system. And probably most of the people that we see coming into our office with solar panel issues have never seen this warranty. There might be one that exists and you can call, we can try to find out who the manufacturer of the panels is, contact them directly, get a copy of the warranty. Maybe the panels are still under warranty. We don't know. I mean, these are all unknowns when you buy a solar panel system, especially if you're not seeing any of the paperwork that goes along with it. But something to keep in mind, the manufacturer's warranty may cover defects in the system or things that break within the you know first year or a certain period of time. So it might vary by warranty or manufacturer. Um, and then a third thing I wanted to mention is that a lot of people ask, you know, if, um, if I stop paying, if I can't afford this, the solar panel system, um, are they going to take my house? And I think it's important to note that there is a lien. It's under the Uniform Commercial Code um, UCC lien that is attached to the panels themselves and recorded on the property. Um, however, it can't be foreclosed upon, like you know, the way the bank can take your house if you don't pay your mortgage. It's not. Um, it's not like a bank loan. It's not like a mortgage. Um, they can't take your house if you don't pay. They're, they have other remedies, right? They can come get the solar panels. Uh, we haven't really seen that happen a lot, it, although anecdotally I have heard of that happening. They can sue you for the money that you owe, um, but they're not going to be able to take your house and foreclose on it in the way that other lenders can. But I think it is really important to reiterate Pete's point regarding what the um, legal effect of the UCC lien is, right? That's considered an encumbrance. It's something that clouds the title. Um, it makes it harder to transfer that property to the next individual, whether that's going to be a, you know, what we call a bona fide purchaser, somebody coming in and purchasing that uh, home from you with this sort of hanging debt 
Um, or if you're passing it on to your relatives after you've passed on, what is the encumbrance to them when and if they choose to sell the property? Um, that's what the UCC lien does is it, it, it clouds title. It, it does hang over the home, even if the, the financing company can't foreclose against the property itself. Mm-hmm. And just to add on to what we were talking about with um, you know foreclosures on homes and this UCC lien, to contrast it with a mechanics lien, for example, if you had a contractor come and do work on your house and then you didn't pay for whatever, maybe there was a dispute as to payment or um, there was still more to pay, the mechanic could record a lien against your property and sue to foreclose on that lien and actually take your house. The UCC lien is different and it doesn't have that same legal process attached to it, so they cannot come and take your house. Is that Accurate, Pete, anything you want to add about a UCC lien? Or? No, that, that's correct. You don't need a many words when you're as capable of a man as Pete. So. <laughs> Very true. He's always capable of minimizing the words that come out of our mouths and making it sound that much better and that much clearer. Uh, Taylor and I like to spin in circles in a hailstorm. Yes, but Pete comes in and clarifies everything for us and says it very succinctly. Hence so why he is a recurring character <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, with that, uh, I think we'll wrap up. But was there anything else uh, last before we, uh, we cut off the podcast? I think reminder to the consumer, know what you are signing. Obviously, know your rights. If it sounds too good to be true, give yourself the second to not sign a contract that you're not ready to sign. Shop around, look at other vendors, see what options they have available to you. Ask for the contracts that you know that you're entitled to legally. Review the details before you sign on the dotted line. They will use pressured sales tactics. SB 293 or the law that goes into effect in January is not going to protect necessarily you from pressured sales tactics. You have the right to say no. You have no obligation to sign something that you do not want to sign. Mm-hmm. And also, too, we're not necessarily saying that all solar panel companies are bad. We just want to warn uh, that we're seeing a lot of unfortunate bad actors who's making the field, uh, uh, you know, tainted. So we just wanted to make this clear uh, and uh, follow these steps by our three attorneys. And uh, hopefully, uh, if you are in the business, I mean, if you are looking to add solar panels, Uh, you can avoid some of the missteps that were shared. So thank you. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for listening to Law and Caution, protection through legal education. Links to helpful resources can be found in the description. Have a great day.